So there is that lack of understanding yeah. that people are not responsible for. Like if a client walks out my door and I'm like, hey, don't beat your wife. Or, um, but, but also there's the fear. It's kind of like in the shack where the little kid speaks up because his dad is beating his mom and his dad is beating his mom and drinking and the little kid speaks up in the movie to the pastors in the church and the pastors actually do something and they, I'm assuming they demoted the dad because he was a deacon in the church and then the dad took out the the boy and he beat him through the night and so there could be the fear of more abuse happening if a person in leadership in the church gets involved. I don't think that that is um, the biggest reason why, but I do think it could be a reason why. Yeah. Honestly, I, I think that people devalue emotional and verbal and mental abuse. I think that I think that, so I'm sorry, I cut you off. I just, I think that people place physical abuse at such a higher level of importance than mental, emotional, and verbal abuse. And there were so many times where I would say to Dylan, I would much rather you punch me in the face than treat me the way that you're treating me right now. And the reason for that is because that would leave marks and that would leave scars. And I would have the evidence and the proof to show that I was being abused and that I needed help. But when you're being abused emotionally and mentally and verbally, that evidence isn't so clear. And that's the trap yeah. that narcissists would use. Cause, covert. Yeah, covert narcissists. They're not going to treat you that way in front of people. Right. And that's the thing. That's that's the thing that's so sad because you will be abused and nobody will know. It's like it's like being being murdered in the night, but you have nobody that saw you die, so nobody knows that you're gone. But they heard you saying all along, and they heard even the abuser saying all along, "I'm gonna kill them." But they didn't want to get involved. But they didn't. They didn't follow you. Behind, they didn't follow behind you. They didn't want to get in the middle. They didn't want to die, or in this case, in that term, it would be they didn't want to die, but they didn't want to become another witness or another another person that becomes uh, the abuser's uh, victim. Yeah. Yeah. See, I don't think that that's. I think that that can be a reason, but I don't think that that's. I don't think that that's the biggest reason. I I think that, I don't know. I just think that, like I said, people devalue that kind of abuse and or they don't believe the victim. Um, and they have, they, they feel like they have to keep the peace um, without realizing that there is no peace. And by continuing to, quote unquote, keep the peace, it's they're, they're actually peace. creating. If you want, more, if you want to create more peace, destroy the darkness. 
Right. And what destroys darkness? God. The truth. Yeah. Scripture. The truth. Because what is darkness? Well, darkness is a kind of loose term, but it's Satan or it's it's sin. And what what destroys Satan and what destroys sin the is the truth and the light. God. God. That that's the answer. Yeah. Like God has every answer you will ever need in 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 a book. There's a book on it. He gave us a guide. He didn't stand on the sidelines. God was there. He was he was like he he was that bubble around it. His presence was everywhere in there. But nobody wanted to to see that presence and and know and take ownership of it. Or not ownership, but like help in that battle. Yeah. And I would say that this might not be the the only cause or one of the causes, but it could also be from uh, people not wanting to get in the middle because of how their identity yep. will be affected by it. That you hit the nail on the head with that. That's exactly. Talk more about that. Their identity. Yep. They don't want. They they don't want. They don't that. want. They, yeah. They don't want to make them look like the bad guy. Yep. That's it. That's what I've been trying to say, but I couldn't find the words to say it. They don't want to look like the bad guy. They want to look like the savior. And they want to get praised. At least some of them. But the if, corrupt people. But if you want to look like a savior and you want to get praised, then advocate for those that are being exactly. abused. There's good praise. There's praise that you deserve. But then there's praise that you, that you got the corrupt way. Yeah. And look, like none of this is being said to cause, I think the church would respond to this and say, well, you're causing uh, div- divination or whatever. I think it's divination. D- d- div- d- divide in the church. And I think that that's a cop out. I think that that is something that the church says when they're being called out. That's your truth. They're trying to avoid the situation because right. they don't want to change. Yes. Uh, and it makes them feel uncomfortable. We're not trying to do that. We're not we're not trying to call well, we're trying to educate. We're trying to educate because we've been through it and we know what we needed and we know what happened to us and we know what would have helped in that time. Um we're not trying to cause a divide in the church. Uh there are no perfect people and because there are no per- perfect people, there are no perfect churches. And also, there are people in churches that are put into positions that God entrusts them with. And when the Lord entrusts people with those positions, he entrusts them with the responsibility to take care of the widowed, the battered, the abused, the broken, the hungry, the hurting. He entrusts them with that responsibility. And it's in the same way that, like, in my world, in the mental health world, we are human and we make mistakes And also, we are entrusted with the responsibility that if somebody walks into our office and says that they're being abused, that we do something. So one of the things that I regret immensely is, and I and I promised myself I would never do this again, is I would perhaps have somebody walk into my office and say things that sounded a lot like narcissistic abuse, 
And I'd say things like, well, what if he's thinking this? And what if he means this? Like I would, I would assume the best of the abuser and say that out loud to the victim. And when I think about that now, I feel so much shame. Like I feel so much shame. I promised myself that I would never do that again. After I learned about uh, secondary abuse and after I did the research that I did on it, I promised myself I, I will never do that again. Even if I think that somebody is, is lying, crying wolf, when they're walking into my office and they say anything remotely close to I'm being emotionally abused or verbally abused, I will sit there and I will advocate for that person until I am blue in the face, even if they're lying until they're blue in the face. Because I do not want to look before my judge and be held responsible for allowing abuse to happen when I was placed in a position of power and authority by my God to be a therapist and to speak into that situation and to do something about that situation or at least help a person, guide a person into what they can do in that situation. Yeah, yeah. It's the same. It's the same thing. So this is powerful. This is very powerful to those that want to understand what it is, and to those that need help with it. Doctor David Hawkins has a great training on it for pastors at Marriage Recovery Center. Uh, He's also got great YouTube videos on it. Mm-hmm. If you YouTube Doctor David Hawkins and Marriage Recovery Center, he's got great. He's got great resources on there. Would would you say that that most of the people that say that abuse, like physical abuse, is uh, is how would you say, it, but uh, more a bit like a worse, worse than mental or uh, emotional? Would you would, would those would you say that those people would be? The secondary abusers? Yes. People who would say that physical abuse is worse than mental and emotional abuse. Yes, those people are... Would you say that narcissists would normally say that physical is worse than emotional? Yes. yes. Uh, One thing that is very common with narcissists that you'll find is that they'll never put their hands on a person. Because then it's a covert narcissist. I wouldn't necessarily necessarily say an overt narcissist, but a covert narcissist, they'll never put their hands on their significant other because then they're caught. Because then there's scars that they can see. Right. And the last thing that they want is to be found out. Man. Sins of the world are just... We're corrupt. Yeah, it's true. And also, like... God is really faithful. So I got out of that situation with the therapist that I had been seeing for 10 years and started seeing a therapist who was so good to me and she knew that something was up. And um, I keep sharing this story with a couple of people, including my, including my current partner. What? Uh, I just keep saying that um, she she saw something in me 
and she encouraged me and she would talk to me about how, I mean, yes, as therapists, we talk about how unique and how special each individual is, but she went out of her way to like really express how unique and special I was and uh, would talk about how like she knew she knows that she can't tell a person whether or not they should leave their marriage. She did pose the question, how long can you stay on this roller coaster for? Because you will be on this roller coaster for the rest of your life. And I don't want to see that happen to you. How long can you stay on the roller coaster for? And her asking me that question just, it really, um, I don't know, it, it really, it really struck a chord in me and got me thinking, like, I'm exhausted. Like, this is exhausting, and I didn't realize how exhausted I was until she started asking me those kinds of questions. Because realistically, I, I couldn't, I, I couldn't do it for very much longer. I was, I was drowning. I was just not in a not in a good place and I couldn't I couldn't get my head above water and so for her to be there and be pointing those things out to me and um kind of seeing the light that I couldn't see it changed my life in a drastic way that has been only only good and um, coincidentally, her husband is a pastor and she is, or he's a, he's a, uh, I think he, I think he's called a pastor in the church, in the denomination that they're in. She's a therapist. And I bet together they're just like, they're changing lives right and left because she wasn't afraid to be bold. She wasn't afraid to be used by God. And her reputation was also on the line because I own a practice and she knew that she, she knew that. She knew I could start saying things about her. She knew that I could, you know, she she was taking a risk. Um, she knew that my partner, my, my ex-partner could start saying things about her. And she was taking a risk. She took a risk and that risk changed my life. And I'm currently living the life that I... <laughs> I mean, I'm sitting in my driveway right now, looking into the woods and um, looking at my beautiful family and looking at the beautiful house that God gave me and knowing um, the beautiful man that will be coming home later this evening to me and She was the catalyst for that change. I don't know that, and I'm, I'm picking on pastors and I'm picking on therapists because they are the top two most uh, impactful or most likely to participate in secondary abuse, but they're also the top two most influential. So, regardless of a person's behavior or actions, a person in leadership, God is still faithful. 
he still takes care of us. You know, one of the things that used to drive me nuts that I would hear is there's two sides to every story. Yeah, there is. There's the abuser and there's the victim. There's the perpetrator and the victim. That is the two sides to narcissistic emotional abuse. And when you're not willing to get involved in that and you're a leader in some capacity, you could be a leader in your business too. Like you're a leader in some capacity and you have that position to create that change and you choose not to. Maybe a work, maybe workplace abuse and you're a leader and you have that, that position in that place and you choose not to use it. I, I don't want to see what's going to happen to a person like that. Like, God entrusted that person with a lot of responsibility. So, I just think it's really important that that person utilize that power in a way that is In a way that is going to change lives. And uh, you may not realize the power that you have. <clears throat> you may not realize it. You might just think like, well, yeah, you know, I'm I'm just a lay pastor. I'm just a, a leader in this group. You're not just in anything. You're a person in a position of power. And uh, you're a person who has the potential to make a huge difference. I had a have somebody that I know, um, a client of mine who was meeting with a pastor at her church. And her and her husband were meeting. So this client and her husband were meeting with a pastor at her church and um, she would tell me that, um, you know, initially things were good and the, the pastor was, uh, advocating for their marriage and advocating for them and, um, trying to get the abuser who this pastor never identified as an abuser, but he was trying to get the abuser to see that he was being abusive and uh, wouldn't call it abuse, but, you know, that's what it was. He was trying to get him to see that. And he, uh, he w- it was good. At the beginning, it was good. And it, it turned south very quickly. So my client and I discussed the boundaries that she was going to put in place. And if this if this husband of hers did not follow through with those boundaries, then she was going to be done. Like the husband wasn't willing to even hug her for two seconds every day. Like it was, it was bad. Uh, and when she was done, when my client was done, the pastor of the church ended up being buddies with her ex-husband and like watching my client go through this hurts like it 
it it hurts my heart. It hurts my soul to know that she has to she has to watch that because she still goes to the same church that her husband goes or that her ex-husband goes to. So she has to watch her ex-husband who is being emotionally abusive towards her. My client has to watch her ex-husband and the pastor hanging out, doing groups together. I, 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 it hurts. That pastor has a lot of wisdom and, um, from what my client had said, the pastor has a lot of wisdom and the client had talked about how that pastor wasn't willing, what was more than willing to speak up, um, was bold, except that he didn't speak up when he needed to and he didn't stop that abuse from happening. He wouldn't even acknowledge it as abuse. So, um, we have we have the capacity to really create change and to um, just really uh, be the stopper of abuse rather than be a part of the abuse. You got anything more to say, Brody? <laughs> I would say that for... For the people that for the people that will probably say, "Oh well, what about like you you're saying that other people are abusing who says you aren't abusing for those people we've all abused in some way some way shape or form we've hurt people we've emotionally abused people we've we physically hurt people but it's taking ownership of that abuse that's the difference yeah and also one of the things that i had to learn was that somebody did a a video on it and it was that so they said in this video my reaction to your abuse is not abuse. My reaction to abuse is not abuse. So that would be like somebody hitting me in the head with a baseball bat and me standing up and being like, why'd you hit me in the head with a baseball bat? And then somebody looking at me and saying, oh, that's, that's abuse. That's abuse for you to call them out. That's abuse for you to call them out and say, why'd you hit them in the head? Why'd you hit me in the head with a baseball bat? A reaction to abuse is not abuse. A reaction to abuse is one advocating for and standing up for what they need and also not tolerating abuse. If somebody says that your reaction is abuse. To abuse. That's just more abuse. It's manipulation. They're trying to make you look like... The bad guy. Yeah. Rather than focusing on their behavior. Yeah. Wow. Wow. Just... Wow. You know... 
it really does hit different when the people who are talking about abuse have been abused. And when people say that we're not, or at least you're not educated enough, it's like, what? How do you know that? Have you been in a narcissistic relationship? Have you been abused? Man. Well, not only am I educated enough. You're, you're experienced. But I am, I've, I've gone through it. That, that's what I was saying. Yeah. I've, I have the education and the experience. And... That's more than enough. Yeah. The experience is to the point where you already have the answer. The experience is the evidence. Yeah. But that's not that's not really what I'm here trying to talk about and trying to say. I wish that people would be willing to you know, validate, if nothing else. Just validate. Validate what the person has gone through. They're not lying. If you if you suspect that they're lying or if they've no, if they've never given you a reason to believe that they're lying, then they're probably not lying. Yeah. They're probably telling the truth when they say they've been abused or that they're being abused. So if nothing else, just validate what they're what they've gone through. And I'm going out of my way to not say what their experience has been. Because abuse is abuse. It's not subjective. It's not a perception. Abuse is abuse. And it's not one's perception. It is somebody's behavior. Somebody's abusive behavior. So you can validate. You can listen to. You can go to the abuser and you can say, like, you you can be the catalyst for change in the life of the abuser. Like, they're wounded. They're hurting. At the end of the day, they're a wounded, hurting person. And you can be the catalyst for change in that person's life by going to them and not allowing their behavior to be enabled. So there are things that can be done. And, uh, yeah, I mean, I'm sure that secondary abuse will be a theme that is just kind of woven into everything that is talked about. Well, because secondary abuse is also what kind of makes up emotional abuse. It's a part of it. It's yeah. a kind of, in some way, one of the foundations of what abuse can turn out to be. <sighs> Life's hard. And it can be a game sometimes for people, and people will take advantage of it. People take advantage of your life. And what do you mean? Well, people play games with you to make you think something that's not true. Not me in particular, but people, people, people who are abused. Yeah. And those people that are abused sometimes don't get help. Yeah. And then they commit suicide because nobody was there. Like, the pastor was never there. No person was ever there. The therapist wasn't there. You don't, don't you see how... Or, I'm sorry, that was kind of like talking directly to someone. But 
as as a as a as a union of a church. That blood is on your hands. Well, I don't know. I kind of disagree with you on that too. But I'm not. Ta- I'm not talking about the church. I'm talking about the people that knew. Yeah, but at the end of the day, we're responsible for our own decisions and our own choices. But if, just, but if that but if that decision affects somebody else's life, I know. I I just wouldn't say that the blood is nobody's blood is on anybody else's hands because we well, don't. The blood is on the abuser's hands. We don't have we don't make choices and decisions for other people. We only make them for ourselves. But if you have the choice to change what's happening, then in that case, but you don't you don't choose to change it because you just don't care. Yeah. Then would you say that the blood of that person is on your hands? You you played a role in the process of them committing suicide. Which you played a role. Which in some way also makes you the cause. Well, it's part you it makes you part of the cause. Which is some somewhere you don't want to be. No. Because no. think about it, somebody ended their story of their life. Suicide happens when pain outweighs resources. And when you think of the resources that we have, if you're a spiritual person and you go to or participate in a religious community, that religious community is a resource. A therapist is a resource. A boss is a resource. A friend is a resource. When pain outweighs resources, that's when suicide happens. So if that person has gone to all of those people and they've done nothing except for and not only done nothing, but said to you, well, what can you change? Oh, geez. Yeah, I don't want to be a part of that. I don't want to be a part of that process. I want to be a world changer. I want to be a healer. I don't want to be an enabler. Tough love is love. Tough love is what makes love. Because from tough love, love becomes stronger. Yeah. So when you call out somebody who's being abusive, that is tough love and that is love. It's like muscles. When you, when you, when they're... Pain is weakness leaving the body. (laughs) Matt said that. It was on a poster in the 90s. Yeah. My brother had the poster. Is that not good logic? It is good logic, yeah. It's good logic emotionally too. But I think I think we've done enough minutes for now. We've reached <laughs> oh, thirty one minutes. And that's on top of the other thirty one minutes, so it'll be exciting to see what we talk about next week. Stay tuned. Oh, and for the people at the church that I will not say, I love them and I will forever cherish them. And for the people that think I'm talking about them, I'm not. Yeah. It's not the purpose of this. It's not, I'm not here to call you out. No. I'm here to state what is happening. Or what has happened. Yeah. And to educate. To just educate. Educate. Not... To, to educate anybody who listens. Yeah. Who who does. who Whoever will listen. 
Yeah. Yep. Because we've been in a position where we can look back and say, hey, that helped, or hey, that didn't help, or hey, this would help, and or hey, this is not helping. We have sat in that chair. Yeah. Both of us have. So It takes one to change a community, right? Just one. Just one. And as uncomfortable as it is for me to sit here and to talk about this, I will sit here and talk about this. Because it takes one to change a community. So. I think that's it. That's all we got for you. That's it. We should come up with a jingle at the end. But we don't have one yet. So. <laughs> it should be like holiday themed. We bid you adieu. To you and you and you.